Welcome to another episode of Down Ballot Counts. I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor at Bloomberg Government, and with me as always is senior reporter Greg Giroux. It's Monday, September 28th. There was big news once again over the weekend. Dwayne The Rock Johnson endorsed Joe Biden for president. Oh, and also President Trump nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett to fill the vacancy on the Supreme Court. And it looks like she'll be confirmed the week before the presidential election. Joining us today to discuss where things stand in both the presidential and congressional elections is Glenn Bolger, a go-to pollster for Republican members of Congress. After that, we'll break down an ad airing in one of the most intriguing states on the map, Georgia. We were there with 99% of the precincts counted. Number of other key down-ballot races. This is a very dramatic turn. We will have to look. House will be in order. Chair requests that members clear the aisle, take seats, and cease audible conversation. From Washington, this is Bloomberg Government's Down Ballot Counts. Up first is Jerome's Gem. Jerome's Gem, my number of the week, is 2008. That was the last year Democrats unseated more than two Republican senators in an election year. Following the losses that year of Republican incumbents Ted Stevens, Norm Coleman, John Sununu, Elizabeth Dole, and Gordon Smith, Democrats increased their Senate majority and put themselves in position to enact the Affordable Care Act. The law's early problems and unpopularity helped Republicans win back the Senate in 2014, but the ACA is more firmly ensconced in law now, and Democrats today are making the ACA and its protections for those with pre-existing health conditions front and center in their messaging as they seek to overturn the GOP majority. Democrats need a net gain of three seats plus the presidency to win control of the Senate, and they surely need to unseat more than two Republican senators on November the 3rd to accomplish that goal. The two most endangered Republican senators probably are Martha McSally in Arizona and Cory Gardner in Colorado, followed by Tom Tillis in North Carolina and Susan Collins in Maine. Democratic challengers also are running serious competitive campaigns to unseat Joni Ernst in Iowa, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue in Georgia, Steve Daines in Montana, Lindsey Graham in South Carolina, and even Dan Sullivan in Alaska and John Cornyn in Texas. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your Jero's gem for this week. Up next, we'll bring on Glenn Bolger. This is Bloomberg Government's Down Ballot Counts. Joining us now is Glenn Bolger, a partner and co-founder of top Republican polling firm Public Opinion Strategies, which counts six governors, 11 senators, and 44 House members as clients. Glenn, thanks for coming on the pod with us. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, so I want to start at the presidential level. Uh, the Real Clear Politics average has had Trump down seven nationally for pretty much the past two months. Uh, your firm co-runs the uh, NBC Wall Street Journal poll, which had him down eight this month. Um, this has been as turbulent an election year as seemingly possible, uh, and yet the race hasn't moved recently. Why, why is that, and do you see it closing between now and Election Day? I think the, um, uh, the biggest thing that would help uh, President Trump uh, could be coming tomorrow night, uh, which is, you know, and, and it's it's a problem is when you're kind of hoping that your opponent has a bad debate performance because you can never count on something like that. But uh, given how inelastic the data has been the last couple of months, um, I don't know what else would change it. And confirming a Supreme Court justice a week before the election seems like something that could stir up excitement and anger, depending on what side you're on. But Polls are already showing voters more enthusiastic about voting than in any other recent election. Um, what are the big issues you're hearing about in focus groups and, and polls that you're doing um, that are going to be affecting how people vote this year? Well, first observation is uh, 
I think that this is going to be a record turnout since women got the right to vote, um, highest percentage of eligible voters. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I'm just going to blame coronavirus, <laughs> which is a pretty good excuse. Um, but uh, yes, you're right. The interest is uh, off the charts. I mean, look, we saw 2018 highest turnout in a midterm since 1914, um, which is, you know, before women got the right to vote. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, I'm, I'm crazy. Uh, and then in terms of the issues, um, look, they're, they're all interrelated. Uh, the, the, the top two clearly are coronavirus and jobs in the economy. Um, that's what people are, are most concerned about. What's interesting is uh, adding Supreme Court the last week to our list of issues. Um, there's some who focus on it, but it's not um, as big a deal. And I don't think that it's, and by the way, that's not to say it's not an important issue. Um, we're asking people which is their top issue. And coronavirus and jobs in the economy consistently come out uh, numbers one and two, uh, just, you know, and the order can change just based on how. Uh, you know, Republican or Democratic, the, uh, the the area, whether it's a state or a district, is uh, healthcare is generally third, um, and that's also by uh, by the way, obviously related to coronavirus as well. Um, but it's also other things, uh, you know, such as pre-existing conditions, which the Democrats are uh, doing a very effective job uh, using against us, uh, Republicans. Um, so those are definitely the main issues. And how is the presidential race affecting Republicans in down-ballot races? If the presidential race was a dead heat or if the president was ahead, how different might the races for control of the Senate and the House and the state legislatures look? Well, obviously, we'd be a lot better off. You know, we've become, uh, over the last 10 years or so, more of a, a parliamentary voting system. Um, you know, maybe it started even before that. But where you don't have, I mean, you know, in, in 2016, uh, you know, whatever states Republicans won uh, for the White House, they also, you know, won in the Senate and what same for the Democrats. Um, there just isn't the kind of s split ticket voting that you saw back in the 80s and 90s uh, and even kind of some of the aughts as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's definitely challenging. Um, you, you know, obviously when you do the, the job that I have, uh, and that other people have, you don't go to work every day saying, well, you know, we don't have a chance. No, you got to fight, fight and cra uh, scratch and claw for, you know, every seat that you can. You have any thoughts as to why there isn't as much ticket splitting as there was? Hmm. You know, I haven't been asked that question. Um, I, th I just think that, uh, everything has become so nationalized from, you know, who the Speaker of the House is to who the Senate Majority Leader is um, that, you know, if you, you're voting, you know, not for individuals anymore, you're voting for uniforms. You're either voting for the, the team wearing the red uniform or the blue uniform. And uh, you've polled for North Carolina Republican Tom Tillis in 2014 when he ousted Senator Kay Hagan. And in 2020, the senator is in a competitive reelect against uh, Democrat Cal Cunningham. What are the biggest differences between Tillis's 2014 race and this race? Well, 2014, the political environment was better. You know, you had uh, Obama was president. Uh, Barack Obama was president at the time, obviously. And, uh, you know, he did not fare well in midterms. His party did not fare well in midterms. Um, so that gave us, uh, you know, wind at our backs. Uh, now we're running, you know, on the ticket with the president uh, who has a, a challenging race as well. You know, the wind is not at our backs this time around. 
So uh, you've also polled in Georgia, including on uh, Governor Brian Kemp's successful 2018 campaign. That was a great year for Democrats nationally. Uh, Kemp pulled out the win in a really close race. Um, Both parties are spending money there, again, for the Senate and the presidential. Um, But do you see Georgia as a a true swing state right now? Um, Yes, I do. Um, you know, look, the, the idea of demographic, uh, demographics being destiny has been talked about for a long time. 2016 interrupted that. Uh, but the idea that Republicans can win without doing um, better than we do among minority voters and younger voters, um, you know, it, that's it, it's simply not sustainable. Um, so we have to do better with those kinds of voters. And, um, you know, at some point, uh we're going to pay a price for it in a state like Georgia. Uh, I don't think 2020 is the year, but it's going to be awfully close. And, you know, it's definitely made the transition from red to purple. And Republicans obviously had a great year in 2010. um, And after that, got to draw some pretty favorable congressional district lines as a result. With so much attention on holding the White House and the Senate, um, are state legislative races getting the same level of attention from Republicans this time around as they did a decade ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, You just don't see it as much, I don't think, just because unlike 2010, uh, you have a presidential uh, race on the ticket this year. Um, so I think that that's uh, obviously that's the big kahuna that overshadows everything. But, you know, the folks who are working on state legislative races are doing a heck of a job. Um, you know, that said, the political environment, as you noted, was much better in 2010 than it is right now. So, uh, I, you know, I don't think the outcome is going to be anywhere near as cheery. Um, but uh, hopefully because of this added effort, it, it won't be as problematic as it could be. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. Glenn, we really appreciate you coming on Down Ballot Counts today. Uh, anytime. Thank you, guys. You can follow Glenn Bolger on Twitter at POSGlenn with one N. Okay. Up next, we're heading to Georgia. Raphael Warnock wants to stop President Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Warnock wants a radically liberal Supreme Court. Conservative Kelly Leffler was the first senator in America to urge President Trump to go forward on the court. Endorsed by National Right to Life, Kelly Leffler will never back down. This is about saving lives and saving America. I'm Kelly Leffler. I approve this message. That was an ad from Kelly Leffler the appointed Republican senator from Georgia who's running in a ballot royale-style special election in which every candidate from every party appears on the same primary ballot on November 3rd. If no one wins a majority of the vote, which is unlikely with nearly two dozen running, the top two primary performers advance to a January 5th runoff. Greg, what'd you hear? Yeah, so Kyle, we have a Republican senator here in a competitive race, Kelly Leffler of Georgia, brandishing Trump's Supreme Court nomination in a positive light and taking credit for urging the president to move forward expeditiously on a Supreme Court pick, though the president surely didn't need any prodding to do that. It mentions Raphael Warnock, who's a pastor and the leading Democratic candidate in this race, which, as you mentioned, is an unusual single ballot all candidate race that certainly will require a runoff on January the 5th because no one is likely to win the required majority of votes. Leffler's ad does not mention Republican Congressman Doug Collins, who is the third major candidate in the race. So Leffler, Collins, and Warnock are jockeying for the two spots in that January runoff. There are a couple of other Democratic candidates worth noting. Matt Lieberman, the son of former Senator Joe Lieberman, and Ed Tarver, a former federal prosecutor, 
who are taking a smaller share of the vote than Warnock, but enough to keep him from having any chance of winning outright. In fact, Warnock has been polling about evenly with Leffler and Collins, which raises the possibility of Warnock finishing in third place and Leffler and Collins advancing to compete in an all-Republican runoff. But look for a major push from Warnock and his Democratic allies in Washington to ensure that he gets one of those two spots in that runoff. And finally, I'd add that this is not the first Supreme Court ad to air, and it will not be the last. Over the weekend, I saw an ad from a group called Piedmont Rising, criticizing Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina for supporting a rushed confirmation of a justice who could vote to invalidate the Affordable Care Act. Tillis is all in on Amy Coney Barrett, the president's nominee. In Illinois' competitive 13th district held by Republican Congressman Rodney Davis, Democrat Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan aired an ad last Friday that raised the specter of the court ruling against the ACA right after the election. And you want to look for more of these ads in the waning weeks of the campaign. And there's been some pressure from Democrats for Lieberman to get out of that Georgia race. And uh, so far, he is refusing to do that. So uh, something to watch. All right. Before we close the show, we've got a parting shot of trivia for you. This is Down Ballot Counts. It's trivia time on Down Ballot Counts. Each week, I try to stump Kyle and you, our listeners, with a political trivia question. Let's first review last week's question and answer. And we talked about Iowa Democrat Teresa Greenfield's bid to unseat Republican Senator Joni Ernst. And I asked for the last time an Iowa U.S. Senator was defeated for re-election. On a Bloomberg government Twitter poll, I gave you the choices of 1974, 1980, 1984, or 2014. Let's see if Kyle got the correct answer. I know for sure it wasn't 2014 because Joni Ernst won an open seat. I'm guessing... It was Chuck Grassley, 1984. Okay, well, it was 1984, so I'll give you the credit on that. It was not. It was not Chuck Grassley. It was actually Tom Harkin. But he got the right year, so I'm going to get, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to give you full credit on that. That was the year Tom Harkin unseated Republican Roger Jepson. Reagan won in a landslide and also carried Iowa, but not overwhelmingly because the farm economy was flagging, and Harkin managed to flip that seat for Democrats. Iowa's other senator, Chuck Grassley, unseated Democrat John Culver in 1980 and has held that seat since. So the correct answer, 1984. Good job on that one. And now for this week's question. I want to know how many U.S. senators have served in the Senate for every current Supreme Court justice's nomination process. In other words, how many senators have been around to confirm or oppose every current Supreme Court justice? So you need to know the longest-serving Supreme Court justice and how many current senators have served longer than that. So think about that one this week. You may email your answer to bgovpodcast at bgov.com or tweet it at us using the Bloomberg government Twitter handle at bgov and use the hashtag downballotpod. We will post this question as a Twitter poll this week, and I will give the answer and ask a new question on the next episode of Down Ballot Counts. That's it for us today. Before we go, Greg, what else are you watching this week? This Wednesday, September the 30th, is the end of this year's third quarter and a period of campaign fundraising. So expect candidates and political committees to make a big final push for money and to release those top line numbers shortly after the deadline. We have lots of candidate debates this week. Tonight, we have back-to-back-to-back debates in the main Iowa and Montana Senate races beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern when there's also a debate in South Carolina's 1st District, a coastal district Trump won that's held by first-term Democrat Joe Cunningham. All four contests are very important to watch. 
I'll note here that Michael Bloomberg, the majority owner of Bloomberg Government's parent company, sought the Democratic presidential nomination. He endorsed Joe Biden on March 4th. Down Ballot Counts was produced by David Schultz. You can follow us on Twitter at Kyle Trigstad and at Greg Giroux. And be sure to check out all the great politics coverage on Bloomberg Government's website, about.begov.com. We'll talk to you next week. Taxes and accounting are complicated, but finding a good tax podcast shouldn't be. I'm Siri Belusu, And I'm Amanda Icone. Listen to Talking Tax the podcast that breaks down all of these issues on a weekly basis. Every Thursday, Talking Tax will explain the latest issues for you, from what Congress is working on, to legal rulings, to the global digital tax debate. Download and subscribe to Talking Tax wherever you get your podcasts.